Welcome to the Practice Podcast, your go-to source for simplified mindfulness practices, holistic well-being teachings, and tools based in modern science and ancient wisdom for living an empowered life. I'm your host, Daphne Lyon, a wellness educator on the journey with you. Want to hear more meditations, tools, and practices to live an empowered life? Visit my website at DaphneLyon.com. So sit back, relax. Let's take a deep breath in together. Exhale, let it all go. And enjoy the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every other Wednesday. Welcome to episode 15, Discomfort in the Mind and Meditation. One of the biggest misconceptions people have about a meditation practice is that when they meditate, the practice will be blissful, easy, and relaxing. And then they practice meditation and quickly realize how truly uncomfortable it can be. And the practice usually falls off or immediately stops. We get this story that we're not doing it right, we can't meditate, or it just doesn't work for us. If you resonate with this, I am so glad you're here because we are going to talk about the mind and how it creates discomfort, especially how it shows up in our meditation practice. So if you feel discomfort in your meditation practice, great. That means you are present to the mind, present to the experience as is. Meditation and being present can be very uncomfortable at first. When we become aware of our experience, which is probably why just so many of us don't meditate, the blissful ease and relaxation usually follow the meditation practice as the added benefit, but in the midst of it, oh man, we have to sit with all the pieces of ourself, the thoughts, the sensations, sounds, emotions, feelings, the past stories, the judgments of it all which can cause so much discomfort. So if you are new to meditation, or maybe you've tried it once or twice, perhaps you've meditated for a while now, but you're trying to go a bit deeper, feeling a bit stuck. Wherever you are in your practice, even if you are not meditating and you just feel a lot of unease when trying to simply be present in the body, I want you to know that discomfort will show up in the mind when we become present. And I want to share with you why that is, the science behind discomfort in the mind, and three tips to move through discomfort and get to bliss. So why does discomfort show up in our meditation practice? It's because we have to sit with all the pieces of ourselves, the diverse array of thoughts, physical sensations and emotions, and all our judgments about them. Discomfort exists in the mind. Of course, we can feel physical pain and emotional sadness, 
but it's our judgment about our experience that can create a positive or negative impact in our life. Think of someone that you have shared a similar experience with, but our reaction to that experience can be so vastly different. Thoughts alone will leave anyone uncomfortable. We have about 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts per day. That's about one thought per second. And we are unconscious to, I would say, most of these thoughts. Yet when we meditate, we notice just how many thoughts we have. And all of a sudden, we become aware of the stories, the critiques, the to-do lists, the narratives within the mind. We tune in to the mind's programs and all the roommates that live in our head. It can almost be a bit disturbing becoming aware of it all. In a study done on thoughts, it was discovered that we not only think 90% of the same thing over and over again, but 80% of our thoughts on average are negative. No wonder we avoid being present to it all. This is the default mode network of the brain, which carries a negativity bias in order to basically keep us safe. The default mode network of the brain is a connected series of brain regions that are active during most of our waking hours when we're not focused on a certain task. The network makes sense of others, our identity, it obsesses over ourselves, it thinks of the past, the future, anything other than being focused on what is happening right now. It's our default. Sometimes we can get caught in its loop when we get emotionally charged by a stressful, angry, or fearful information sent from the amygdala, which is our fear and worry center. And that amygdala connects to the hippocampus, which is where any related emotional or factual memories are stored. And then they get together and transfer all that information to the medial prefrontal cortex, our executive functioning in the brain. And this area can get bombarded with negative information. For some of us who experience an overactive default mode network, our mind constantly thinks about our shortcomings, failings, faults, mistakes, and things that make us anxious. The default mode network is useful, very useful for interpreting the world, ourselves, all those around us and keeping us safe. But when we ruminate and our default mode gets overactive, it can produce and create an anxious state of mind and cause a lot of discomfort when we try to get present. So, as the saying goes, the mind is a beautiful tool, but a horrible boss. It's designed to think and keep us safe the best way it knows how, hence the negativity bias. But it's not designed to lead our way through life or fully process our experiences. The mind creates so much of our discomfort. Think about it. What if we we're able to just let the sensations pass through the body, 
the emotions surface and dissolve in the heart, the nervous system to process and complete its cycle to rebalance. The body knows just how to heal itself. It's often the mind that gets in the way, that resists from wanting to feel the sensation or the emotion, that wants to remain in familiar territory no matter the negative impact it may have on our well-being. The mind resists unfamiliar territory and letting go of any attached identity that comes with it. Anxiety can even become familiar and comfortable. It can become part of our identity. An overactive default mode network that bombards that prefrontal cortex with negativity, it strengthens our fear and worry center of the brain, and anxiety can often become our go-to, aka our default, which creates a lot of discomfort when we want to get embodied and present. In a meditation practice, the mind may resist being present so much that it activates the stress response. Imagine how so much of our time is spent not being present, and then all of a sudden we're asking our body to remain still, our mind to quiet, our nervous system to relax. That's a lot to ask of ourselves when we are practicing the opposite the majority of the day. So when you practice meditation, the mind will most definitely try to pull you out of the present moment awareness, especially in that first five to 10 minutes of a practice, because the mind can't fully exist if you are present. The mind can't predict what's going to happen and therefore it can't protect you or so it thinks. The mind tries to pull us out of our meditation practice in the most creative ways. It'll give you some dramatic story, gossip, to-do list. You might have epiphanies. Maybe it's something that you've been avoiding that suddenly comes to the surface. Your nose can get really itchy and the mind will tell you it's not just an itch, it is the itch you have to scratch. Or the leg might be falling asleep, you'll get uh, all tingly, but the mind will make up the story that your leg's gonna fall asleep. All this drama of the mind, you might even just get so tired that you fall asleep. And for some people, we might need that sleep. For others, it's just a way to tune out of the present moment awareness. The mind creates all this meaning around our thoughts, sensations, and emotions, and it's within this meaning and judgment that the discomfort thrives. It's often like being at war with yourself, yet there's nowhere to run. By trying to avoid the discomfort, the mind inadvertently creates the discomfort. So through mindfulness, we train our brain to find comfort in the discomfort. We train the mind by remaining focused on one-pointed awareness which decreases activity in the default mode network and expands the space between our experience and our reaction. Studies show that meditators not only 
turn off the default mode network of the brain while meditating, but even when not meditating. Meditators are setting a new default mode focused on what is happening right now. So now that you know that a meditation practice will be uncomfortable at first, I want to share three tips that will help move through the discomfort in your practice. The first is to shift the perspective. So now when you meditate and feel the discomfort, it doesn't mean you're bad at the practice, it actually means you are present. So now you can say, oh, there's the mind just trying to keep me safe. Thank you, mind. I've got it from here. The second is to get curious. Investigate the mind with compassion. When you meditate, the mind will most definitely wander away to thoughts, stories, sensations, and sounds. When this happens, there's no need to add judgment or critique. It's simply the function of the mind. So instead, get curious with what you're experiencing in the moment and see if you can gently drift your awareness back to your one-pointed focus, whether that's the breath or my third tip, a mantra. Each time you drift your awareness back to that one-pointed focus, you increase the space between your experience and your reaction. And finally, use a mantra in meditation. It's a great way to give the mind a job to do. Mantra is Sanskrit, man meaning mind and tra meaning protection or tool. A mantra is a repeated word or phrase linked with the breath. So using the mantra, like let go, every inhale you would silently say let, Every exhale, silently say go. A mantra brings the mind into stillness. One of my favorites and stories of the mind from the book Beyond Words by Satchitananda perfectly explains how a mantra works. There once was a man who wanted to accomplish great things. So he sought out a sorcerer in the forest, and the sorcerer offered to give him a helper who could help him accomplish whatever he wanted. All he had to do was ask, and the helper would do it. But, the sorcerer warned, he must give this helper work to do. If he didn't, the helper would devour him. The man had many things he wanted to do, so he felt confident that he'd have no problem finding work for his new helper. He took his helper home and put him to work. Whatever he asked for, the helper was able to produce easily and with great speed. So much so that it didn't take long at all for the man to run out of tasks for this helper to do. He grew distraught, remembering what the sorcerer had told him. If he ran out of work, this helper would turn on him and devour him. The man went looking for the sorcerer again, seeking guidance, but he was gone. And in his place was a sage. Desperate, he asked the sage for advice. After hearing the man's dilemma, the sage plucked a piece of very curly hair from his head and handed it to the man, offering the following instruction. Whenever the man had nothing for his helper to do, he should give him the piece of hair and ask him to keep it straight. 
The man returned to his helper and gave him the task. Quickly, the helper pulled the hair straight, but every time he let go of it, it curled up again. In order to keep it straight, he had to sit there, holding it straight. This gave him something to do at all times. The man was greatly relieved. He no longer had to fear his helper might devour him. When he needed him, he could ask him to do something, and when he didn't, he could give him the piece of hair. In this way, the helper came under the man's control. So, the mind is the helper. Again, a great tool. It can do many tasks. I almost wish my mind was as good as this helper. (laughs) He seems like he gets a lot done. But when the mind is in its default mode, it can often get pretty destructive due to our negativity bias. And so the mind, yes, a great tool, great helper, but a horrible boss. So give the mind a job to do, like a mantra, and we may find peace. Getting out of that default mode network, which can create a lot of our worry, anxiety, and discomfort around being present. So remember, the three ways to move through discomfort in a meditation practice are to shift your perspective. So the next time you feel discomfort, that just means you're present in the body. Two is to get curious without judgment, investigating the mind with compassion. And three, use a mantra as a tool to bring the mind into stillness. One of my favorite mantras is the let go one. That is an on-demand class on the practice membership, and I'll link it in the show notes. For more tools and tricks to move through discomfort, I highly recommend the on-demand classes under our theme of acceptance found in the practice membership. And if you are not yet a member, if you're new to the practice, join free today. You can try it out for a week trial by visiting www.daphnelion.com membership. And you gain access to a growing library of on-demand classes in meditation, movement, breath work, and deep rest. And six new classes are added each month. If this episode resonated with you or you have any questions, I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram at The Practice and make sure to like and follow The Practice with Daphne Lyon podcast and share it with any friends and family who you feel would benefit from listening. Thank you so much for sharing your practice with me. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.